And so today, we want to answer this specifically and give guidance on this specific issue. Seven steps for judging prophecy. It could be personal prophecy, it could be prophecy that has to do with the nation, but mostly personal prophecy. How do I know if a prophecy that has come my way comes from God? And, and how can I be sure? That's important. And the reason it's important for us to answer that question is because, as you've been hearing this entire month, there's been quite a lot of abuse in this area. I mean, we're hearing all kinds of stories that, uh, where people have done all kinds of things in the name of prophecy. 1 Corinthians 14, 29 reads as follows, and, and I'm reading the King James Bible, but later on I'll read from the New Century Version. It reads as follows. Let the prophets speak two or three and let the other judge. Let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. It is well and good for us to assess what has been said to us. We shouldn't just swallow whatever we hear from pulpits or things that are done in the name of the anointing and simply because somebody said that says the Lord, we shouldn't just swallow the whole thing hook, line, and sinker. It's important for us to learn to judge. Note, the Bible didn't say for us to judge the person but we judge what is being said. And we'll give light on that. I mean, how do we judge what has been said? It's important for us that we make sure that whatever is said and whatever is done in the name of the Lord is judged. It's your responsibility as well, even during this series, to make sure that whatever scriptures we give, whatever explanation we give, you go and study that. Never be afraid to inform yourself. Never be afraid to be Critical in your thinking. You're not criticizing the person, but you're not says, Be like the believers in Berea. We read the scripture. It says the believers in Berea, they were more excellent in that they checked out if what Paul was saying is so. It says they searched the scriptures to check if these things be so. It's your responsibility to be a student of the Bible, to study God's word. To check what has been said. Don't just take something simply because I said it, or simply because some minister said it, or simply because somebody said, God said, I must say this to you. It is your responsibility. Tell your neighbor, it is your responsibility. Tell your other neighbor, you need to check these things out. The reason for this is because sometimes the excesses that we find cause many people to run away from the real gifts that come from God. See, there's no need for us to be afraid of the gifts of the Spirit simply because some false elements have crept in. And this is what often happens when it comes to the things of God. We end up shunning certain things simply because of the abuse that is there. How many of you know people who abuse their cars? Can I see your hand? They abuse their cars or they abuse their cell phone. Anybody? But we still use our cell phones, don't we, Right? That someone is abusing something doesn't mean we must run away from it. You know, I don't think God gave us all these gifts and, and all these blessings, you know, uh, just for the sake of doing it. It must be that there was a need and there's a necessity why God made all these blessings available. So there's no need for us to be afraid of the gifts of the Spirit. And therefore, as believers, we can learn to distinguish between the true and the false gifts. And you need to learn that. You need to be proactive to know how to discern. So I'm going to give you seven things you can use. These are not the only seven, 
But these seven steps, I want to call them, they can really serve as a guideline to know how to judge prophecy. Step number one. Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 15, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Verse 16, you shall know them by their fruits. So step number one, by their fruits, you will know them. In other words, instead of just receiving what has been said, check the person out. Their lifestyle, their fruit, where do they come from? What is their background? Is there anybody who knows about them? Is there anybody who can testify about knowing this person's journey? Or did they just pop from nowhere? And this is very important. We should be aware that false teaching and false prophets, false pastors, and false teachers is not a phenomenon that begins in our time. This has been there throughout the history of the church. Peter and Paul wrote to the early church and they warned very strongly against false teachers and false prophets. Turn with me please to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and I'm going to read now from the New Century Bible because I think it's much easier to follow. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse 13. It reads as follows. It says, such men are not true apostles but are workers who lie. They change themselves to look like apostles of Christ. This does not surprise us. Even Satan changes himself to look like an angel of light. So it does not surprise us if Satan's servants also make themselves look like servants who work for what is right. But in the end, they will be punished for what they do. So Paul says, you know, these people change themselves into angels of light. They change themselves. So, you know, and this is one of the best tools that Satan uses called deception. You know, you know deception is, is, is more dangerous than a, a total lie. Because, you know, with a total lie, you can just see this is not true. This is not it. This is. But deception, it's a mixture of truth and lies. A portion of it is true, but a portion of it is not true at all. So this is what false prophets and false teachers will do. Come across in a good way, like Jesus said. Wolves clothed in sheep's clothing, and yet inside they are wolves. So a portion of what is said could be true. Therefore, this is why for, it's important for us to know the fullness of what God's word says. Remember this. In Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was tempted of the devil, Satan even quoted from the Bible when he was tempting Jesus. He said to Jesus, you know, throw yourself from the cliff. For it is written, God will send his angels to take charge over you. That was true. What he said was true. But it was half truth. But Jesus said in response, it is also written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. So one of the things that's done with false teachers and false prophets is just to give you half truth. Just enough to entice somebody. Just enough to hook somebody in when there's a lot more that is not true. Go with me then to 2 Peter chapter 2 and I want us to read from verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 2 from verse 1. 
It reads as follows. There used to be false prophets among God's people. Just as you will have some false teachers in your group. So you know, they're not coming out there. They're just among us. <laughs> look like us, talk like us, do everything like us. Everything looks like us. But if you look carefully, and if you assess carefully and use God's word, you realize there's something that is not right somewhere. And many of you know, there's a lot that's going on in our country now and in many parts of the world wherein people just come in the name of the Lord. Note what he says. He says, they will secretly teach things that are wrong. Teachings that will cause people to be lost. They will even refuse to accept their master Jesus who brought them freedom. So they will bring quick ruin on themselves. Many will follow their evil ways and say evil things about the way of truth. Those false teachers only want your money. Have you realized how these prophecies and these prophets at the end, there's money at the end of it? Uh, you, know, you know, so create a way in which to get people to give more money. You know, prophesy in a way that people will give more money. Tell people they have problems that can only be cured by your prophecy. They have things that only you can pray for them. And at the end of it, there has to be money. That's what it says. Those four teachers only want your money. So they will use you by telling you lies. So you will know them by their fruit. You know, very often people do not check the background of people. Jesus described them. He says, you know, they come in sheep's clothing. Inwardly, they are revenue wolves. So it's important for us before we expose ourselves to somebody to check out what their background is. This was a usual practice in Bible days that there used to be recommendation that was made. Look at Philippians chapter 2. In the case of Timothy and Epaphroditus, Paul sent these two preachers to the church in Philippi, but he said something about them. Philippians chapter 2 from verse 19. This is how it reads. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. I will be happy to learn how you are. I have no one else like Timothy who truly cares for you. Other people are interested only in their own lives, not in the work of Jesus Christ. You know the kind of person Timothy is. You see, So Timothy was known somewhere. And here's the very disturbing thing, Barcelona, that very often there are ministers that come, prophets that come, nobody knows who they are. We don't know their background. We don't know which church they come from. They can never give you reference of where they grew up. You know, it's like they have no connection. They just drop from the sky. There's only one person in the Bible who doesn't have mother or father, and that is Melchizedek. And you and I are not Melchizedek. Look at your neighbor and say, no, you don't look like Melchizedek at all. You know, I don't think... But everybody has a background. And everybody needs to have somebody say something about them. You know, and I think this is why when you read the Bible, you know, I used to read Matthew chapter 1. How many of you have ever read Matthew chapter 1 from verse 1? You know, it's very, it's not very inspiring. This one beget, this one, this one beget, this one. The whole chapter, everybody beget anybody. Anybody knows what I'm thinking? I used to read that and think, but what's the point? Why? Why? I mean, just get to the point. Just stop this begetting stuff. What's the point? But then you realize as you read, the, the importance of that is to trace the genealogy of Jesus Christ and authenticate the fact that he is the one who was promised. 
who is the seed of David. And so you can trace David's lineage all the way back to the people that God talked about. So, you know, Jesus didn't fall from the sky. He came from somewhere. He was begotten by somebody. Now, if Jesus, the Lord of Lords, who is the savior of our lives, can be traced back to somebody, why can't we trace some of these prophets to somebody? But many people never even ask the question. As long as there's miracles, as long as there's signs and wonders, it, it wouldn't matter where they come from. Note what Paul is doing here. He's saying, receive Timothy. In verse 22, he says, you know the kind of person Timothy is? You know he served with me in telling the good news as a son serves his father. Verse 23, I plan to send him to you quickly when I know what will happen to me. I'm sure that the Lord will help me to come to you soon. Verse 25, Epaphroditus, my brother in Christ, works and serves with me in the army of Christ. When I needed help, you sent him to me. I think now that I might send him back to you because he wants very much to see all of you. He is worried because you heard that he was sick. Yes, he was sick and nearly died, but God had mercy on him and me too so that I would not have more sadness. Now note verse 28. I want very much to send him to you so that when you see him, you can be happy and I can stop worrying about you. Verse 29. Welcome him in the Lord with much joy. Give honor to people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to give me the help you could not give in your service to me. Paul says, you know, I'm recommending this guy. You know, I know him. I lived with Epaphroditus. I know Timothy. I've lived with them. I know their background. I know their lifestyle. Welcome him. But you know, today, people run to meetings, travel to meetings to some prophet somewhere, on some apostle somewhere, or some teacher somewhere, and nobody knows where they came from. Simply because there's signs and wonders. Tell your neighbor, say, I hope he's not talking about you, because the way you're quiet, I hope he's not talking about you. You know, one of the things we, we were taught in Bible school is to try and find out people's background. Not in a bad way, but everybody must have a background. And you know, Masanana, what has been very difficult to absorb for some of us is to know that we have a number of these prophets who come from outside the country. Who, and, and because, you know, many of us, we travel, we go to other parts of the world, and find someone says, maybe say, I come from Accra, Ghana, and then you try to find out in Accra, nobody knows them. Or if they do know them, several of them, and not in Ghana in particular, I'm just making an example, you'll find that they were in a church, they did something that was wrong, and when they needed to account, they ran away. Yeah. So they ran away here, and when they came here, they opened a church, the new church in Jerusalem, via Europe of America, in Soweto of Salem, in Judea, second anointing. Anybody knows those kind of names? Yeah. And people flock there in their numbers, because this prophet is powerful. People never ask, what's your background? Which church raised you? Who's your pastor? Who knows about you? Those are legitimate questions. And you shouldn't be afraid to ask that question. But it's so sad today that people, as long as there is power, or as long as it's a remedy, then people don't mind. You know, I, I, I love the other time I was with several of our, our pastors. We were in some place and I had some supplements 
that I was recommending to them. You know, I've used these supplements. I bought them, you know, from the chemist, and they're quite good. And, and I was showing them these supplements and giving them these supplements. So they took the supplements and mixed them with water they were drinking. There was a, there was a guy who was just standing not far from us. We don't know him. He doesn't know us, you know. So just looking from afar, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, you, you must give me some of that too. You know, in English, it doesn't come out right, you know, but he said it in Sesutra, you know. And I looked at him, I said, I said, you, you, you don't even know what I'm giving these people. He said, I don't care. Whatever it is, as long as it helps, I want it too. But you know, this is the attitude that people have even when it comes to spiritual things. Simply because so and so said, there's the anointing, there's the power of God. Simply because so-and-so said, this person said this to me. And you know what? I don't understand some of these prophecies. And I really, really, I don't understand. I mean, simply because somebody told you what your phone number is. I mean, just tell me, come on, guys. I mean, let's talk now. I mean, so, that says the Lord. Your phone number is 073 And you're busy saying, yes, man of God. Go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. <laughs> Your phone, <laughs> your phone number is 073554. And your name starts with a, I see a P. I see a P. P-A. Yes, man, I've got patience. Yeah, patience. Go deeper, go deeper. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, if, if you don't know your phone number, and you don't know what your name is, then you need a lot of help. I don't need some prophet to tell me what my phone number is. I know what my phone number is. But so many people have been taken in and become so gullible because somebody gave them their phone number. And remember, it's not going to stop with the phone number. It's going to go to something else and something else and at the end of it, there's money somewhere. People fall for that. People's lives have been ruined. People have left their homes, walked away from their husbands and wives, left their children. People have run into ministry, sold their businesses, all kinds of crazy things. People are drinking water, using oil, flowers, eating grass, snakes. Hey! When the Bible is so clear, check them out. And I'm saying this on very, very good authority because we have friends from around the world. I'm not going to name any names. But definitely, several of them, we've gone back to talk to their pastors. And what some of these people do is they do something wrong here. When they get disciplined, they run away. And you see, South Africa, we are among the last countries on the continent that got our freedom and liberty. We are not streetwise. One says, no, sure. Look at your neighbor and say, it looks like you are still like this. You see, many of these people have done this thing. You know, Basalana, we started traveling, started going to, went to Malawi way back in the 80s, right? Started going to Cameroon now almost 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And it was very interesting when I first went to Cameroon to, to find that these things were already happening there. I was listening to a preacher recently who was talking about the 60s. How some, some prophet came into town. And this prophet would, would actually have these meetings in the evening. And, and the place would, would, you know, they'd make the place to be very dark. Oh, yeah. Some of you are saying, oh, because you've been to some of those dark places. Yeah. And this person would start playing the piano. They'd sing Amazing Grace. 
And they had this miraculous thing that they'd play the piano, true story, and walk away from the piano and the song would continue playing. The piano would continue being played without a person there. And they, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the prophet would step off the pulpit, off the platform rather, and go into the crowd and start saying things to people, which were right, which were correct. But the issue is what's the source of that information? One pastor who told the story, he had lost his wife just a few months before and had come to this town just to have a bit of a break. He was still recuperating. So he saw on the adverts, prophet so-and-so, you know. So he then tried to find out about the meeting. So when he came, he was fairly late for the meeting. So he said, right at the back, place was packed out, jam-packed, jam-packed. So he said, right at the back. So, you know, nobody would know that he's in town, nobody. So the prophet goes through the process, plays the piano, amazing grace, steps off the piano, piano continues playing, walks straight to this man and says to him, I have a word for you from your wife. Yeah? Yeah. I have a word for you from your wife. So thankfully this man, this minister knew the Bible. He said, no, no, no. There's no way my wife can talk to me because remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16 when, when he was talking to the rich man. You remember the rich man and Lazarus? Yeah, he said, those that want to come from hence to thence cannot come, neither can that come from, come from here to there. When someone is gone, he's gone. He's not going to talk to you. They have their own issues where they are. Why do they want to talk to you? There's no way. They cannot. And the, the pastor said, no, no, no. My wife is past." And there's no way she can, and this person insisted. And you know what they do? When you say no, they start threatening you. <laughs> Using fear, condemnation, you know. And the pastor finally stood up and left. And what he said at the end was really what struck me. He said, it was so surprising to note in the place there, so many Christians who had attended the meeting. It's all clothed in amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Yeah? Yeah? And if you check up on this so-called prophet, you find he comes from somewhere and he had done something, but they're in town and nobody knows who they are. You owe it to yourself to check their background. And don't let anybody push you into anything that you're not sure about. God's not going to judge you. Oh, you didn't hear me. Let me say that again. God's not going to judge you. Yeah, you see, sometimes you are afraid to say, no, I don't understand against the Holy Spirit. Somebody actually said, said, sent me that kind of question. To say, no, so-and-so said, I must do this. Some prophet said, I must do such and such. And when I said, I can't do it, then they said, God is going to get you. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's important. So know their fruit. Jesus describes them as coming to you in sheep clothing. But inwardly, if you check the fruit of their ministry, if you check where they come from, the effects of what has happened through their ministry. You'll find there's a lot of strange things at the back. Step number two. Does the prophecy glorify Christ? Does the prophecy glorify Christ? John chapter 16, from verse 13, verse 13 and verse 14. John 16 Verse 13 and 14. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit when he comes. He said, but when the spirit of truth is come, 
He will guide you or he will lead you into all truth. Note, he will not speak only his own words, but he will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. Now note verse 14. When the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth will bring glory to me. In the King James it says, he shall glorify me. The question is this, when this prophecy comes, when all these things come, who becomes the center of attraction? Because the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, and when the Holy Spirit is at work, Jesus becomes the center of attraction. Yeah. We're not here for anybody. We're not here for any personality. We are here for Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ alone. And when the Spirit of God is in manifestation, He'll talk about God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son. And Jesus becomes the superstar, not us. And that's the question we need to ask. Who does he glorify? Look at Revelation chapter 19. Wow, what a verse. Revelation 19. The Holy Spirit speaks through the Apostle John. Telling you about things that will happen in the last days. Revelation chapter 19 verse 10. This is John, he, he is having this vision and he has an encounter with this angel. Right? Verse 10, he says, Then I bowed down at the angel's feet to worship him. But the angel said to me, Do not worship me. Yeah. The, an angel from God says, No, don't, don't worship me. But my goodness, the prophets today. Hey. It's about them. They are the first and everything. We must worship them. In certain instances, pray in their name. Huh? Wear a t-shirt that has their face on them and put it under your clothes. Somebody say, go deeper. Hmm. <laughs> hey! Pray in their name. Cast out demons in their name. The angel from heaven says to John, John, don't bow to me. Only, there's only one that we bow to. It's Jehovah God. Don't bow to me. Note what he says. He says, I am a servant like you and your brothers and sisters who have the message of Jesus. He says, worship God. Somebody say, worship God. Worship God. Say it again. God. Say it again. Say it one more time. Say it again. He says, worship God because the message about Jesus is the spirit that gives all prophecy. See, all prophetic utterances that come from God will lift up Jesus as number one. Yeah, the Holy Spirit comes to tell us about Jesus, to tell us about God the Father, to tell us about the Holy Spirit, not to tell us about some water that we must drink, some oil that we must apply, something we must tie around our waist and our, and our ankles and everything. We need to ask that question. This prophecy, who does it glorify? Does it draw attention to Jesus? Or does it draw attention on the person? And you find sometimes in these services, this prophetic whatever, 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 not even one verse is read from the Bible. Not even one verse. Not a single word said about Jesus. It's all about the supernatural. It's all about some power. 
some double portion anointing. Take it. <laughs> and people love it. Rolling on the floor. Take it. <laughs> nothing about Jesus. Nothing about the Bible. Nothing about God's word. And then the end there are some products of the prophet that you must buy. Spend all your money. It's a sad thing. It's a tragedy. And so many people's lives, you know, there's a, a particular family I know where the, I've known them for 25 years. Probably more. But at least 25 years. And you know, I remember years ago, first time they came for help. And you know, some of the help that people need, all they need to do is just to read the Bible and believe what the Bible says. We don't even need to pray for you. You know, if you can just do what the Bible says, it's so easy. <laughs> but some people don't want that. You must just wave your hand on them. Mm. <laughs> you see, our prayer cannot do what should be done through obedience to God's word. There's things that we pray for. There's things that don't need prayer at all. I remember these people, when they came, I said, listen, when it comes to this situation, this is what the Bible says in this area, blah, 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 blah. And I could see disappointment in their face. Like how? You're not going to pray for us. I said, no, I don't need to pray for you. You know, some people get so desperate. I don't know if you've been there where they literally take your hand and put it on their head and say, pray for me. I said, okay. I said, I prayed. So they, they stayed for several months and then they left and they were somewhere to some prophetic whatever. And then they met one of my friends and said, no, we were there. That man, he failed. He failed to help us. I said, you're right. <laughs> I'll fail every time. Yeah, I can't help anybody. Only Jesus can help people. I don't have any supernatural powers. Whatever we have comes from God. Doesn't come from us. We can't turn God's power on and off as we want. We don't have the power to heal this one, heal that one. If people get healed, it's all by the help of God. They're right, I failed, of course. Of course. And then a few years later, they were back. In the church, I saw them sitting over. No, sitting somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And I knew it won't be long they'd be coming again for counseling. And here they were. So I went to the same verse. You remember that verse that I showed them? And I could see they were so irritated. 25 years later, Bazalana, I can tell you they've been worn from one place to the other. Their condition has never improved. Things are not better. Instead, they've lost lots of money in the process. And I just never understand why people can't figure it out. If whatever you are trying to apply is not working, why are you going back to it? Yeah? You've been rolling on the floor so many times and you came up the same person. I mean, I mean, are you telling me, are you not tired of rolling on the floor? They've been spitting on you and praying for you with saliva and everything. Are you not tired of being spit on? They've laid hands on you until all your hair fall, fell off your head. Are you not tired of that? You've drunk so many liters of water. <laughs> Applied so much oil that you can start a whole factory of oil. I mean, are you not tired of it? You've tied all kinds of things around your neck, around your waist, around your ankles. It's in your bed everywhere. Are you not tired of it? Are you not tired of it? But I see, people, somehow when people become religious, we, we just have this religious mindset of being spaced out. Even if it's not working, hallelujah, Jesus. 
man. Man. But we need to ask those questions. Who does it glorify? Number three. Does it agree with the scriptures? Does it agree with the scriptures? Look at 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 20. No matter what is said, does it agree with the scriptures? I want to read it first in the King James Bible and then I'll read it in another translation. I love it there in verse 20. Just find it. 1 Peter 1 20. It says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. No prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. The New Century Version says, most of all you must understand this, no prophecy in the scripture ever comes from the prophet's own interpretation. See, one of the violations we do when it comes to scripture is that we do not follow the biblical process of interpretation, what theologians call hermeneutics. That's the law of Bible interpretation. You know, you can't just take a verse and run away with it. Now you can read one verse and talk about it as long as you speak about that verse within the context of the entire revelation in scripture. But my goodness, some of the doctrines that we come across, just one verse that somebody wrote and came up with, and but the revelation, some of the revelation is so, is so extreme and so spiritual that you can't trace it in the Bible. Once somebody goes outside of the Bible, my friend, you should just be very careful. One minister actually tells the story of somebody way back in the 60s who used to do this thing. And this man would preach and prophesy and so on and so on. He said, as a preacher, I challenged this man. I said, but how can you say such and such? That thing that you're saying is not in the Bible. And the man responded and said, you will never find what I say in that thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm so far advanced. Yeah. You see, once you get into a spirituality that cannot be traced into the Bible, then there's a problem somewhere. There's a problem somewhere. Whatever scripture, whatever doctrine we give, we must be able to substantiate it scripturally. So does the Bible agree with that? Verse 21 says, For the prophecy came not in old times by the will of men, but a holy man of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. New Century Bible version reads, no prophecy ever came from what a person wanted to say. Hmm? We cannot take the Bible and make the Bible conform to our experience. We cannot. We must conform to what the Bible says. We can't just find selective scriptures to support the things that we do. It's a problem. And this is why I think one of the things we're going to do, maybe in the process, is to talk a lot about the principles of Bible interpretation. Because see, if you are not strong in that, then you'll find scriptures being used to, to talk about all kinds of things. I remember, this is uh, some years ago, 15 years ago plus or so, there was this teaching that this minister was doing about the trenches of Elijah. I don't even know. Was it Elisha or Elisha who had the trenches? Yeah? I don't even remember. You remember when, when, when he called down the fire? 
It's Elijah, eh? Elijah, when he called down the fire on the, the, the prophets of Baal. You remember that story? And then the Bible says he, he, he commanded them to make a sacrifice and he dug trenches and filled them with water. That's all it says. You know, this minister, he, he took that verse and then said that these trenches were a, how did he say it? They were a symbol of a lot of money. <laughs> so the, the, yeah, so the teaching simply was, we're going to give a sacrifice to God, let's build trenches. That means bring a lot of money. I said, hey, those trenches had nothing to do with money. But you know what was funny? He, be, he was so offended. He was so offended. I said, well, where, do you, where, do you, where do you get that? It's almost like when we say the Bible, you know, says uh, uh, the windows of heaven will open. You know, if you give, the windows of heaven will open. The Bible says that. So that says that. It does say that. But what we mean when we say the windows of heaven will open, we mean money will come. I say, please go read it. Now, I know some of you don't like me at, at all now. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. See, we must remember, when a scripture is written, there are several questions to ask, just a few of them. Number one, who was God talking to? Number two, what dispensation was it in? Number three, what was the historical and social context of the time or the symbolism that is used? Number four, when it comes to New Testament teachings, because a lot of things change in the New Testament teaching, does it transit from the Old Testament into the New without being changed? Those are very important questions. When God spoke to the children of Israel, he used their culture, he used their historical background to address things with them. Them being a nomadic people, they understood that when they plowed as nomadic people, as farmers, they depended a lot on rainfall. Like in our seasons, they had two seasons of rain, the early rains and the latter rains. And farmers will tell you that when you, when you plow and when you are a farmer, rain is critical to come in the right time and in right amounts. So, you, you need, so God said to them, if, if they tithe, he says, I will open the windows of heaven. And the windows of heaven is not money, it's rainfall. Go and read the book of Genesis in the case of Noah. The Bible says after Noah made the ark, he went into the ark, it says, and the windows of heaven opened. It wasn't money. It was rain. So God says, if you tithe, the windows of heaven will open. Meaning, rain will come on your land and water your land. So here's the principle. Watch this now. Watch this now. It means you cannot separate God's way of working economically with you doing something with your hand. You can't separate the two. You can't just sit at home and tithe and not work and not do anything and expect yourself to be sustained. You cannot. <laughs> cannot. So God says, God says, if you tithe and you work the land... I will cause the windows of heaven to come. In other words, if you just tithe and you're not doing anything, even when opportunity comes, it cannot find you because you're not doing anything. That's what it means. It's got nothing to do with money. But see, when you say that people are angry, oh, oh you don't want to hey, Hang on now. So many people, they, they tithe, they don't work, and nothing happens. You're quiet now. Why? Because it's not supposed to work like that. We are applying scriptures out of context. Even when Jesus says, give and it shall be given to you. 
good measure pressed down. He wasn't talking about money. It may apply, but he wasn't talking about money. Go back. He was talking about forgiveness and kindness. He was talking about do unto others as you have do unto you. Jesus is simply saying, take the initiative to be good. And when you take the initiative to be good, it will be done back to you in the same measure. That's what he was talking about. But no, 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 no. We have these scriptures that we have chosen. Yeah. To endorse our doctrine of money. And so when it doesn't work, we say God's not true to his word. Ah. You see, when you have a manual and they show you the steps and you don't follow the steps and the gadget doesn't work, you can't phone the company and say you've given me a broken thing. Yeah? I mean, they will, you know, the call center, they will say, okay, let's go step number one. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, I think you've skipped some steps in your life. Step number one. You see, the Spirit of God and the Word of God will always agree. There's no way the Holy Spirit can tell you to do something that contradicts the Bible. They work hand in hand. So now, why these prophecies that come our way that are contradicting what the Bible says? They prophesy to you to divorce your wife. Where is that in the Bible? They prophesy to you to go rob a bank. I see the Lord saying he's going to do a new thing. You must tell that prophet, go jump in the lake, my friend. I'm in church, I would say something worse. But just tell them, just go jump in the lake. And don't be afraid to say that. Because very often they put pressure on you. Intimidate you. Make you feel afraid. Even if you can't find it in the Bible. Now you can't find what I'm saying in that thing. I'm sorry, my dear. If you are so advanced more than the Bible, then you are too advanced for me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Spirit of God will always agree with the Word of God. Number four, are their prophecies fulfilled? Check them. Some of the prophets don't want you to remind them of what they said here before last. They said things that never happened. Now, please, I think I need to put a rider here. All of us as human beings, there will be times when we will miss it. You know, the, 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 the gifts of God are perfect, but the, the vessel is not. Okay, so there are times when we will say something where we maybe didn't hear correctly. So, you know, there should be some margin of error and forgiveness here and there. What do you say? Because we're human. Even when we preach, we make mistakes. I've quoted verses that were not there. When I look back at some of the sermons I preached years ago, my doctrine wasn't really great in certain things. You heard the guy who talked about Paul and his wife Silas. They went to Nineveh and swallowed the whale. And people responded. And you know, it's very tragic when, when people come and they are so blessed by the sermon that you preached years ago. And it was wrong what you said. You know, says, I was so, you know, I just felt the Holy Ghost move on me. Hallelujah. <laughs> and you're saying, hey, hey, and what I said was not right. So, look, we are all under construction. There's that. All right. However, if nine times out of ten, what is being said is incorrect. You, 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 you may want to stay away. Yeah. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 18 and see how God was so serious about these things. I tell you, if we were to apply what was said in the Old Testament, I just wonder how many of these prophets would still be around today. I'm telling you. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 18 from verse 20. 
God says, but if a prophet says something I did not tell him to say, as though he were speaking for me, or if a prophet speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet must be killed. Hey, can you imagine if we were to do this? I wonder how many of these prophets would be around. Now, please don't misunderstand me. There's a lot of credible prophets around. Please, don't, 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 don't get it wrong. But I think in the light of what's happening today, I'm telling you, Vazalana, if we were to do this, because some of these people, they said stuff over people's lives, prophesied about the land, the country, everything, and you look back, none of that happened. There's one of them even recently who prophesied that some leader in Southern Africa is going to die in April. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, there. It's, it's public information. It's not, it's in the public domain. Yeah, they prophesied. They spoke us. I see the Lord say. It never happened. See, and, and we never ask those questions. Yeah. And when you go back, you'll find other prophecies that were said that never happened. And there's a whole bunch of them that never happened. But people still keep following. People still keep following. Your neighbor is quiet, isn't it? <laughs> because you see, there are prophets who are presumptuous and they prophesy out of their minds. And please understand, Bazalan, a prophet cannot crank up a prophecy. Somebody asked the question, can I consult prophets? No. In the Old Testament it happened. Not so in the New Testament. You don't go consult a prophet. And a prophet who tells you that they know everything. And a prophet who is always ready in a prophetic mode. <laughs> Ever ready prophet. Just press a button. Money. You give them money. And, and, and the prophet who, the bigger the amount, the more specific the prophecy. You, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. But it's a sad thing. There's no prophet who can turn the prophetic gift on and off as they want. And anybody who every time they see you, they have to prophesy over you. You want to be careful. Because when you look in the, in the New Testament, Agabus was a prophet. Paul at the point called himself a prophet. But you don't find Paul prophesying 24 7 365 and a quarter days always in a prophetic stance and a prophetic look and i don't know why they have to look ugly when they prophesy <laughs> the lord and people believe that people just swallow the whole thing and here's the point i'm trying to raise don't be afraid of their threats because, because some of them say stuff over you and when you don't do it, they tell you a curse is going to come on you. I'm here to tell you, if God has blessed you, no man can curse you. If God be for you, no one can stand against you. God will build a hedge around you. God will protect you. If you walk in this way, God will make sure. No curse, no incantation, no bad luck, no senyama will come upon you. God said he will protect you. Even if your enemy comes out against you, God will always protect you. Can I hear an amen in the south? Never allow fear. A few years ago, one of them came, told me, they must pray for me and anoint me. This is like 15, more than 15 years ago. More than 15 years ago, 20 years maybe. They must anoint me. 
Because God wants to take me to another level. You know, they know how to say these things. So the first question I ask her, who are you? Not in a bad way. What's your background? Why do you want to know? (laughs) Then I said, but what you are saying, God never spoke to me about it. No, God works in mysterious ways. You know, they have an answer for everything. After they told me what they needed to do, they said, no, I must come somewhere at midnight. Yeah. And they are going to surround me as a group of prophets. They are going to pour oil and whatever. I said, I'm not coming. No, no, I'm not coming. Do you mean you're disobeying the Lord? I said, no, I'm not disobeying the Lord. I'm just disobeying you. It's not the Lord. You. And you know, here's the interesting thing. When you say no, they become angry. And they started using threats. Said, yeah, the Lord will judge you. In the next two years, your ministry will never survive. And And God will say, oh, oh, oh." it depends which God you are talking about. Yeah. 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 As for the God of the Bible, he's going to protect me and look after me. As for your God, God is greater than your God and God will keep me. More than 20 years, here we are. Nothing has happened. Some of you are allowing people to instill fear in your hearts. And because it's said in the name of prophecy and in the name of the anointing, you just accept it. Check it with God's word. Does it line up? Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Some of them you find their prophecies were not fulfilled. Check the people out. Now like we said, you know, if just 10% doesn't happen, fine. We can do it 90%. But if it's 90%, that doesn't happen. Aibu. Look at it and say, Aibu. Number five. <laughs> Number five, not all prophecies are from God. Sometimes people crank up a prophecy. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 13. Verse 1 to verse 5. Now you can read the scriptures further. I'm just giving you one or two verses, but you can read the whole thing. Deuteronomy chapter 13 from verse 1, it says, Prophets or those who tell the future with dreams might come to you and say they will show you a miracle or a sign. The miracle of a sign might even happen. It might even happen. Now note, and then they might say, let's serve other gods. So you see, this is how this thing works. You see, the, the, the starting point is your, is your phone number that is correct. You see, and because the phone number is correct, you think, no, maybe God is saying something here. But the further the prophecy goes is the more you are being moved away from God. Yeah, that's how deception works. It just doesn't come out that way. It's bit by bit. Just add a little bit, little bit of error, little bit of this. So after that, then you must give money. After that, then you must apply the oil. Then after that, you must drink the water. And after that, and, and, and by the time a year comes, you are so far away. And you didn't see yourself move away. Not reading the Bible anymore. Not knowing what the scriptures are saying anymore. Dependent on the prophet. Treating them as though they are your God. All kinds of things have happened. When you read, we read this in Acts chapter 16, by the way. 
Verse 16, you remember this young lady who followed Paul for many days? You remember now? And the Bible says she had a spirit of divination, a spirit of fortune telling. It says for many days she kept on saying, these are the men from God who tell us the things of God. Now here's the question. Was she telling the truth? Was she telling the truth? Of course she was telling the truth. But as you read further, the Bible says Paul was irritated. And he said to the spirit, come out of her. And the spirit came out of her. And from that day, she couldn't operate as a fortune teller. Yeah. So what she said was true. Satan knows the truth. I mean, when he came to Jesus, he knew the truth. He says, you see, the Bible says, throw yourself down. You see? So sometimes what gets people is that initially where it starts is true. See, like this prophet who came, they said, oh, we, we thank God for your ministry. We, we see what God's doing. And then now you're happy. Hey, hallelujah. Shabba yabba. But you see, God now wants to take you to another level. Who doesn't want to go to another level? I mean, who doesn't want to? Who doesn't want to succeed? Who doesn't want to do more? Who doesn't want to have more impact? your business, God says your business will grow more. I mean, who doesn't want to have their business? No, please don't look at me with that religious look. You say amen because you know it's true. Yeah. They know you want something. You know, God says he's going to give you a new home and a new car. Hey, all of us, we want it. Hey. God sees your tears. It's going to wipe away your tears. Ha ah, Jesus. Jesus. Wipe away my tears. Here's my face, Jesus. Wipe away. <laughs> so when it starts, you know, it's so innocent. But then the next thing they say, and the Lord says, now you've got to use this oil three times a day. See, now, now, now there's a problem. See? We have to ask God to give us a spirit of discernment. Not all prophecies are from God. What is said might be right, but the source. Number six, does the prophecy produce liberty or bondage? I tell you. Does the prophecy produce liberty or bondage? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Wow. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. This is how it reads. It says, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom or there is liberty. You know, there's something about God that God brings liberty and freedom in our lives. Now, it doesn't mean we don't follow principles. Huh? It doesn't mean we don't obey. It doesn't mean there are no rules and laws. It doesn't mean that. But when we come to God, God frees us from the bondage. And I'll explain those bondages. Romans 8, 15. Read with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. It says, The spirit we have received does not make us slaves again to fear. It makes us children of God. With that spirit we cry, Abba, Father. Tell your neighbor, I am not a slave. Tell your neighbor, I am not in bondage. Tell your neighbor, I am a child of God. 
I like 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 in the new in the King James Bible. It says for God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. But a spirit of love, a spirit of power, a spirit of a sound mind. The problem with some of these prophecies is, you know, they give you a prophecy. All of a sudden, you start being filled with suspicion. Because they said your problems come from your neighbor. Hey! So every time you see your neighbor, you're already... And then by mistake, your neighbor doesn't see you. They don't greet you. Then you say, ah, you see... The prophet said they won't greet me. Oh, they are folding their hands. You see, you see the prophet says, if they fold their hands, they are binding your future. Hey! And now you're no longer free with your neighbor. You're no longer free to relate. You're always looking for signs and whatever. Even the prophet tells you it's your mother-in-law, it's, it's your father-in-law, or, 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 or it's your neighbor. They dug something under your gate or it's under your car. And now you, 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 you are all jittery and suspicious of everybody. You try to come out of the yard, you see a black cat crossing your path and you say, the prophet said you will even see a black cat hey, I, I'm not going to work there's a black cat that crossed my path I must do something, I must apply the blood of Jesus on the hey. then they tell you it's your neighbor who is punting you he's the one who's bewitching you now, now, now shampoo a neighbor and they haven't done anything he's the one who's causing you not to be able to be employed how sham the poor neighbor but who and then they started recommending all these things. You must have this thing and tie it around your waist, tie it on your hands and put it on. So now even when you drive out, if you have forgotten that thing at home, the whole day you are worried to say, hey man, what's going to happen? Come on, somebody say amen. You know what I'm talking about. Bondage. No freedom, no liberty. We are depending on people, not on God anymore. We are depending on things that people can give us. Depending on oil, depending on water, depending on stuff that we can put around us. There's a God in heaven that we must depend on. Only one we must depend on. Goodness, we don't need any water from some prophet, no oil from anybody. We don't need any grass or any snake from anybody. All we need is the power of God who will never leave us and who will never forsake us. He said, I will be with you. He said, though a thousand can fall on your left hand and, and ten thousand on your right hand, he said, it will never come next to you and God will take care of you because God loves you. You are the apple of his eye. You don't need some oil that you've paid a thousand rands for and ten thousand for something. Walking in bondage. People have lost their money, they lost their joy, suspicious of people. You can't relate with people anymore. You are no longer free to love. You are suspecting your wife, suspecting your husband, suspecting your parents, suspecting the chair you are sitting in, suspecting the car, the office. You can't move into a new office because you think somebody, Adam Zalwana, just trust in God Almighty. Trust in God Almighty. I tell you, when we come to Christ, there's such a freedom. And a liberty. And all by God's grace. We didn't have to pay a cent. Didn't have to. We didn't have to go through some procedures and put this in your mouth and ugape and put this under the chair. 
and hey, tie this over here, walk backwards and walk sideways. We don't have to do any of that. We just come right as we are. Can I hear an amen? We came just as we are. God, take me just as I am. And God changes our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go to ask yourself that question. This prophecy, does it bring doubt, fear, hate, strive, suspicion, or dependency on things? Instead of being dependent on God. I'm dependent on this thing. You know, if it's not on my body, then whew, to put it under my tongue when I'm going for an interview. Look at your neighbor and say, what a shock. <laughs> Look at your other neighbor and say, what an aftershock. Look at your other neighbor and say, I'm glad Christ has made me free. Amen. Tell your other neighbor, I'm glad Christ has made me free. Amen. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, I'm sorry for being so loud and noisy, but Christ has made me free. And I don't know where I would be without Jesus Christ. He has made me free. I don't know how much money I would have paid if it was not for Jesus Christ. Christ has made me free. He says, freely you have received, freely give. It's all free by the grace of the living God. All free by the grace of God. Hey, look here we are, worshiping. Free to make noise and stand, raise your hands. You don't have to pay any money. Can I hear an amen? Ah, you don't need to be afraid of anything. And all because of his grace. And my goodness, we have put ourselves in a box in bondage all in the name of prophets and prophecies and in conclusion number seven the anointing abides in you let me explain the anointing is simply the presence of God upon your life I want to read it in the King James Bible please 1 John 2 20 and 27 1 John 2, 20 and 27. Can we have it up on the screen, please? Read it with me. It says, but you have what? I'm sorry, no, King James is old, old version English. Okay. But that means the anointing. You have what? Somebody say unction. I know we don't use that word today, but I'll explain. It's the anointing. We have the anointing, the presence of God or the power of God. You have what? From who? Note what it says. And you do what? You do what? Now, you know, this is one of those verses that you can misinterpret. Potentially, you can misinterpret. When it says, you know, it's just that I'm reading a verse. If you were to read the whole thing, you'd understand the context of knowing all things. It's not that you know, you know everything, you know, you don't need, no, 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 no. But in terms of your salvation and God leading you, you will know all things. And I'll qualify, okay? We still need to be taught. We still need to learn. I don't know everything, okay? But when this anointing is on you, concerning your walk with God, he'll bring you into a sense of knowledge. Now, skip to verse 27. I want to show you that because that's important. Earring. But the anointing, that word anointing and unction is the same, all right? Is the presence of God. But the what? The anointing which you have does what? It does what? I can't hear you. The anointing does what? The anointing does what? 
Now wait a minute, let's explain that. The anointing, the presence of God, the power of God or the power of the Holy Spirit abides. The word abide means to stay in. To be at home in. Or it means to take up permanent residence in. All right. So the Holy Spirit has taken permanent residence in you. Remember, John was writing to people who were Christ followers. Okay, these are people who got saved. Now, what happens when you receive Christ? Well, the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians that the same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it is the same Holy Spirit that raised you from your spiritual death. It's the same Holy Spirit that changed you on the inside and made you a child of God. And when the Holy Spirit changed you and transformed you, he didn't just do what he did and left, but he stayed. Are you there, Pastor? The Holy Spirit stayed. That unction stayed. Let's have the verse. It says, that anointing abides in you. Note, and you need not that any man teach you, but the same anointing teaches you all things. But it qualifies what those all things is. It says, and is truth and is no lie. And even as he has taught you, you shall abide in him. Listen to this. This is what it means if you read other translations. The unction of God or the anointing of God or the presence of God that abides in me will teach me how to live my Christian life. That's the, and all of us have experienced that. As a Christian, when I do something that is wrong, I already know inside it's wrong. I don't need a preacher to tell me. I already know because the anointing inside teaches me how to abide in Christ. It shows me how to live the Christian life. It may not be in words that are spoken. It may not be in anything that's spectacular. But on the inside, you know that what you're doing is not right. Am I, am I here? Am I here in the church? Am I here in the church? Now watch what happens. It is this same anointing that as we sit and listen to teaching. Inside, if the teaching is erroneous, though you may not be able to prove, that same anointing will give you an unsettling feeling. And all of us, whether you are a pastor or not a pastor or a bishop, all of us have that experience. I remember as a young believer, you know, when I got saved, there were people who were ahead of me in the things of God. And one of them in particular loved to use these four-letter words and jokes. You know. And you know, I was a young Christian. And, and you know, when you're young, you're learning from the older ones. But you know, when he was doing that, something inside. You know, I, I, I tried to do it, but inside me... And I just, I ch Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Have you ever realized after you become a Christian, there are certain things that you're no longer comfortable in doing? Before you did them, it wasn't bothering you. After you become a Christian, you come and ask someone, is it right to do so and so? You know why you're asking? And you didn't ask before. And you know why you're asking in that particular area? You never came and asked, is it right to eat? Is it right to wash? You never asked. Is it right to put on makeup? You never asked. But in this area, you are saying, is it right? Because the Holy Spirit is giving you a sense of discomfort. 
Now listen to this. Very important. Very important. Very important. Listen to the signal of the Holy Spirit in you. When these prophets are trying to prophesy over you and push you into some area. I'll close with this illustration. When I was 20 years old, I went to Bible school. The first Bible school I went to because I went to several. Came across somebody. Minister of the gospel had been much more older than us who was in the same class with us. Got to know them. And they were one of those very dynamic people. I mean, when they spoke, just like we got spellbound. And soon got to know them, know the church they were running, but then discovered that they'd been in ministry before and their version of the story. You see, you see, we never check these things out. I was young, I didn't know. Their version of the story is, and it's true, they used to be a pastor in some other assembly and they had been chased away because the people didn't like them. That was their version. Which we swallowed hook, line, and sinker. But then, every time they spoke, something inside, man. Hey. You know, but what, what do I know? I mean, this is someone who had been in the ministry longer than me. When they spoke, they were very powerful. Started a church, attracted lots of young people. But you know, something... I like it in Zulu, and my parents, who at the time were still young believers, had some discomfort. And, and then this person offered me the opportunity to come work with them and be full-time with them in ministry, and I was taken up by that. When I told my parents, they shut the idea down. I was so angry. I was so unhappy. But you know, you know, in the age we were raised in, you don't argue with your parents. Which I didn't. And some of us might learn from that. <clears throat> and I didn't. But then, fast forward, several years later, problems started popping up. Where there were so many allegations, and I'm not one to like to hear, hear stories, but I think what really got me is when we were approached by some elderly lady who Wanted to see us, and when we went, this lady tells us, look, my kid, 16-year-old child, has been going out with this pastor who was much older, and he came to pick up my kid, saying they're going for a prayer meeting at night. And this is what this prayer meeting produced, and she went into the bedroom and brought a child, baby, splitting image of the pastori. Hey! Hey! Then we discovered that this was not the only one. There were several of them. So then the, 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 the pastor found out that we had been approached, came to my home to confront me. So he came in and I'm my home and he said, you, I'm going to, I'll take you to the, I'll take you to court. And I don't know, you know, I'm really respectful, but that day I don't know what happened to me. I just said, you can take me to court. And then they got deflated. And my father stood up and said, you can't come to my house and address my son like that. Oh, Shabaya, Papa, take him on. Take him on, Mr. Son, take him on. Soon we realized, stories started popping up in that community. This child, that child, that child, many children all over. 
Soon heard the story that the same thing, the reason this person left wherever they left is because they had done the same thing. Cut a long story short, went on, left, went to another province because they were running away from here because of the court cases that had been made. Police looking for the person, took a dash, went to another province, did the same thing, same thing happened there. Police after him, went to another province, did the same thing. Yeah, true story. Then police after him, then crossed the border to another country. Same thing, police after the person. Then came back, already fairly elderly. Story scared me, scared me straight. In his old age, this person goes over to some other place looking for a certain woman. And when he got to this woman's house, said, I want mama so-and-so. And the response was, mama so-and-so is not here. Person breaks down and cries his eyes out. Said, I came here for mama so-and-so to take back her things. Evidently, this person had gone to mama so-and-so to get these powers. And now, nearing death, See, the truth comes when we are close to our grave. And they wanted mama so-and-so to reverse what she had done. And I was alone. Unfortunately, they passed on a very sad death. I wanted to go and see them. I never just had the chance. And then, it, then I realized, her, so that discomfort. See, see, see many of us, we, we went into these things and God was trying to talk to us. But you see, because we, we are in a hurry, we don't listen. If you shut out and ignore that voice, it gets quiet. If you busy yourself with other things, it becomes indistinct. You have the anointing in you. And you have a right, my brother, my sister. If you are not sure, just say, okay, wait. I'm going to take time on this. Take time to pray. Take time to go for godly advice. Take time to read God's word. Don't allow anybody to rush you into a decision. Don't allow anybody to tell you, if you don't decide now, if you don't give your money now, God will curse you. That's not the way God works. God holds us accountable to check out what has been said. But my goodness, so many people have had their lives. And you may be here today. Because you didn't know. The good news is, there's a God in heaven who loves you so much. Cares about you. Cares about you. And whatever it is that has affected your life, I believe when we focus on Jesus, God's power will come upon our lives and do what the devil has done. Release us from bondages and influences and things that have come into our lives and, and we open the door for it. But the truth is, we've gathered here. It's all about Jesus Christ. And it's not about us. And today, as we take time to pray, I want you, where you are between you and God, talk to God about your life. I don't need to know. Your neighbor doesn't need to know. Talk to God and say, God, I'm putting you at the center of my life. I'm through with making people to be God and replacing you with everything. I'm coming back to that heart of worship. To worship you and give you the glory that you deserve. Bow your heads, please. Raise your hand. When the music...
place And all is stripped away And I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's of worth That will bless your heart I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required Jesus You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship It's all about you all about you, Jesus. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made. When it's all about you, Jesus. Just raise your hands and just begin to pray and commit your life to God. Talk to God about your life. Talk to God about your life. Talk to God about your life. Bring it before Him. Lord, whatever has been wrong is made right today. Where I've done wrong, I, I ask you to forgive me. You said in your word, if I confess my sins, you are faithful and just to forgive me my sins. And to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Here I bring my life before you, God. Forgive me. I did it. I did it without knowing. I did it in my own ignorance. Just pray. Where I've gone, what I've touched, what I involved myself in, God. I'm sorry. Thank you for the blood of your son. I've replaced you with all other things. Oh, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made. But it's all about you. Yes, Lord. 